for a new recording session of our HR Meetup podcast, a project sponsored by Hotel Le Plaza in Brussels, Transforma Brussels, a co-working space and innovation center, and the podcast factory ARC. Today, I have Dot Sagaria at my mic, and I am very happy to speak with her about sleep. Before starting, I have one question for you. From your child's dream till now, have you realized any of it? It's quite difficult for me to remember my childhood dream. I've actually asked my friend this recently, exactly this question. Um, I said, what did I want to do when I was when I was at school? And she said, I think you always wanted to travel. And I have done that. I've traveled a lot. And I'm here in Brussels now. I'm, I'm English and I'm living here in Brussels. So in some ways, I have done what I set out to achieve. What have you studied? So I studied Russian. I applied to university to study French and I started studying French and economics. But at the uh, university I was at, Edinburgh, you have to choose a third course. And I chose Russian, uh, always wanting to sort of stand out from the crowd. And I absolutely loved it right from day one and just found it um, incredibly interesting. I'm a very curious person. And when I first heard the language, it, I couldn't even believe it was a a language. I couldn't understand where the words were, um, where the sentences um, began and ended. And I just, yeah, thought it was amazing. And then we learned about the history. So um, I was really bad at Russian, having never studied it before, and was doing quite well in French. Um, and so despite all logic, I gave up French and studied Russian and uh, yeah, and just had a great time. Finally, how did you land it in the HR world? Yeah, so I, I've had a lot of different jobs already in a, a career of 10 years. So I started off in advertising, working in Moscow, and uh, which was really interesting, very creative. And then I joined a startup. So I started working with my friend back in London and we set up a, a business which was connecting travelers with local people for advice. I then uh, moved into a big company, so I started to work for Deloitte as a strategy consultant. Again, my curiosity led me there. I wanted to understand how big businesses work. Uh, I guess I felt a bit frustrated being a young entrepreneur. I felt that I wanted to to kind of see the world from from the top down before I kind of you know um, got back to my to my own entrepreneurial journey. So I joined Deloitte. I worked there for three years, but the the culture didn't really suit me. Um, I didn't allow enough creativity and um, independence. So I I moved around a bit. I, I worked in corporate responsibility there, set up the Deloitte Social Innovation Pioneers Program. And uh, I've always been passionate about social enterprise. So um, enterprises that have a social impact. I love the combination of doing business, but doing business for good. And I really think that's that's the future. And so with this kind of passion, I then left Deloitte because I wanted to, again, get back to something that suited me more. Um, and I worked for a, a charity called Elephant Family which is very creative. So I think that's where I just, I needed to get back to something much more entrepreneurial, more creative. And I worked on a fantastic event called the Big Egg Hunt, uh, which took place in New York. And we hid giant eggs around New York City and then sold them all at auction, um, raising lots of money for uh, the Asian elephant. And I was responsible for all of the merchandising. 
So, uh, yeah, really exciting job and wonderful people. A big challenge. Big challenge. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the, the moments of my life when I really felt I was thriving, really in the flow. It was incredibly difficult. I had four or five months to create a merchandising range from scratch. Um, and it was, and we ended up selling our merchandising in Saks Fifth Avenue and, uh, Warner stores. So it was, it was really, really exciting. Um, so then I had my first child and, um, I was freelancing. So I've always been, I've always quite enjoyed freelancing and being independent. And, uh, I started doing a bit, bit of, uh, work again for Deloitte. And then when I was, uh, at Deloitte as a freelancer, one of my old colleagues got in touch and said, um, would you want to come and come and work with me? I'm joining this, um, brilliant foundation called the power to change. Great name. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, it's basically a, a large foundation in the UK that distributes money to community projects. So again, really something that I love, uh, their businesses, they're based in the community, they're collective, they're collaborative. All topics of your passion. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm trying to find a common thread throughout this. Um, I think we'll, I think I'll get there eventually. Um, so I was working there until we moved to Brussels about uh, 14 months ago. Um, and I had my second child here and uh, that's kind of my life story. <laughs> What has happened because you decided to work in HR and to focus on topics with, a, for me, clear link to burnout. And when you speak with therapists on burnout, their main message is to keep your sleep safe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sleep is, is everything. It's so, so important. And, um, you know, I'm really passionate about helping people to, to thrive. Um, helping people to be the best that they can be and to find their own balance in life. Because I think that everybody should be able to fulfill their potential both in a business environment and a personal environment. And I think that's really important. Um, so I've always been very interested in well-being, generally um, very active you know, with sports, very interested in nutrition and a dedicated uh, yogi since I lived in Moscow and discovered yoga when I was there. So I've been practicing yoga over many years and through yoga discovered a technique called yoga nidra, mm -hmm. which actually means uh, nidra means sleep in Sanskrit. So it's the sleep of the yogis and having, you know, had my ups and downs as well with sleep um, and having witnessed as well, you know, colleagues burning out Uh, in all sorts of different environments. But, you know, in all the jobs I've had, people have come under different pressure um, at different times. And it's, yeah, I think it's really, really tough work environment now. And everybody needs as much support as they can really get to, to thrive. That's what everybody wants to do, right? They want to fulfill their potential. And sleep is just so important. But when you speak about sleep, it concerns your private life and you are focusing on companies. What is your approach? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, sometimes people ask us that, but... Is it a good question? Yeah, it's a great question and it's a very, very relevant one. And I think it's worth discussing in all aspects of well-being at work. You know, who is responsible? Um, to what extent is the company responsible for the whole life? You know, I'm very much believe in a holistic approach and a holistic person. And uh, it's but it's all very, very interrelated. Um, and we spend so much time at work and it has such an impact on our life. And work is in many ways the cause of many of the problems, but it also suffers the symptoms of our problems. So work is one of the biggest causes of stress. 
Yeah, and now with internet and smartphones, we are connected non-stop. Sometimes you receive notifications at night and if you don't sleep well, it can wake you. If you sleep with a smartphone next to your bed, of course. Absolutely. I mean, the connected work culture is, is very damaging to sleep um, and sleep is essential for restoring basically our, our energy, our minds, our bodies overnight. So it's uh, definitely having a damaging effect. But we've seen companies uh, who have put work curfews and that's great. So no emails, you know, after nine o'clock. And that's something I would definitely encourage. Um, and it's all about and, you know, curfews are important because it has everybody has to be doing it because otherwise the culture really can't change. So it has to be uh, top down, really. People have to see role models coming from the top. Um, so yeah, it's people are very, uh, just to go back to your previous question about how, what's the response we get, people are very um, positive, actually. A lot of companies have a well-being agenda, you know, they don't necessarily know in which direction to go. They have might have a strategy, but they're, they're open and, uh, they recognize that sleep is a problem. You know, I thought I would go in and have to explain why sleep was a problem. And I sort of go and say, you know, sleep. And they say, yeah, yeah, we know, like we know. There are jobs where you can disconnect from your smartphone, but then there are jobs with duties or night shifts. How can one manage this if changing jobs is not an option? Yeah, there are some jobs out there that are really, really tough in terms of sleep and night shifts um, are actually, uh, they're thinking of making it a carcinogen because it's actually um, very unhealthy. Um, so it's it's as bad for our health as smoking um, night shifts. It's as bad as um, inhaling poisonous fumes. It's, it's really, really bad. Um, and some jobs, unfortunately, can't help it. But we do have ways for people to manage their sleep around those night shifts so that they can recover quickly. Because actually what happens, people do a night shift, they get home, they sleep for four four or five hours, and then they get on with the rest of their day because they want to see you know, their, their family. And so we, we propose ways that they can manage their sleep a bit better and try and get maximize their sleep time. And the technique we use called Nidra is a very powerful uh, tool for sleeping when you need it. So especially if you have those uh, really sort of irregular hours. Um, yogis say that uh, 40 minutes of yoga nidra is equivalent to four hours of sleep in terms of how restful it is. Um, so that that is a technique that can be very useful for people. If I understand correctly, you contacted HR in the company. You work. You mentioned that you work on a wellness program. And you propose to teach a way that allows the employees to better manage their time day and nights to keep their sleep safe. Yes, yeah, so we, we, it's a combination of two approaches. So sleep coaching. Uh, so I believe I'm the first sleep coach in Belgium um, and, uh, and Nidra. So it's, a, it's pretty flexible around the, it depends on the company. So we do propose a workshop, which is an hour and a half, and that we cover the science of sleep. So what happens when you sleep? Because a lot of a lot of it's about awareness. So if you understand how important sleep is, what's happening, what the benefits are, what the risks are, people will think twice about their sleep, about sleeping next to their smartphone, you know, about watching that extra Netflix series. You know, they might think, hmm, okay, you know, I think it's time to go to bed. So we do a bit of that, um, but also talk about what fascinates me is the science of sleep and the brain waves, and it's just beautiful what's going on um, and then that leads us quite nicely into a session of nidra so i actually introduce nidra and do a live session 
with groups of up to about 20 people, it's possible to do uh, a live Nidra session. And then what I find afterwards is quite often people want to um, find out how they can practice at home. And we're in the process of developing an app so that people can uh, continue their practice. How much time one needs to learn this practice? Uh, it's, I mean, it has immediate benefits. And that's what I really love about it because so many people are interested in meditation and I think meditation is really hard. <laughs> um, it takes a long time to feel the benefits. It's kind of like a really, you know, you've got to work really hard at it. And the great thing about Nidra is there's nothing to do. It's a very passive exercise. So you listen to a voice or an audio that guides you into the state of Nidra. So Nidra is actually a state of sleep with awareness. So you get guided into the state of Nidra. And the fact that it's completely passive and there's nothing to do and there's no way of doing it wrong makes you go deeper into that place of stillness and calm. Um, so you you can get immediate benefits uh, is kind of the, the thing I'm trying to say. And then uh, over time, as you practice more and more, the that sense of stillness and calm stays within you um, and you can practice it at will. So if you wake up in the night, you can repeat some of your favorite Nidra session to yourself or think of Nidra. So now when I wake up in the night, I'll just kind of think of Nidra. Actually, I don't even wake up in the night anymore, but when I used to, I would think of Nidra and just fall back asleep because you're you're telling your body that message of sleep and it's learned, it's learned how to sleep. So you're, it's, it's increasing that mind-body connection of, I know how to sleep and I'm, I want to go there. So you learn to recognize the signs of your brains through your body? Exactly. You're not working alone in, on this project. I believe you have a partner bringing a lot of expertise on the link between burnout and sleepless nights. So um, I work with my associate, Chiara, who, um, Chiara Moncada, who is a specialist in well-being at work, so in Belgium. So that's really what she brings to, to our partnership. Um, she has a lot of experience working for a service externe de prévention et protection. So, yes, yeah, so she brings a lot of, of that expertise. You are not surprised to hear therapists mention how a lack of sleep influences the professional environment. Yeah, so how I've kind of, you know, tested the market was, yes, by talking to companies and also talking to uh, workplace doctors. And they absolutely think that the sleeping and even workplace naps, encouraging napping at work, and a culture which is more supportive of understanding different people's energy levels and different sleep needs and encouraging, you know, better sleep behavior um, would be beneficial to the prevention of burnout. So we've had support from workplace doctors, which has been great. What is the reaction of HR when you mention the name of your activity? Yeah, so that's that's always sort of, you know, what what is it? Yeah, so a demo is basically the first question. Can we have a demo? Yeah, which absolutely, you know, we, we love doing demos because um, I'm very motivated to get more people practicing Nidra um, and sleeping better. For me, it's, it's all kind of wrapped up in one. So yeah, we love doing demos for people and then they just get it. And it often rocks people's world and they say, wow, you know, never didn't know this thing existed and it's very so it's interesting because people who have never done any sort of meditation or yoga before find it very accessible you know it's they get a lot of benefit from the first go people who know more about mindfulness meditation and yoga say oh this is different this is really something different it was going to be my question 
What is the difference between mindfulness and your practice? Um, so this, as I say, is really connected to sleep. So it's practiced lying down. Um, that's the first thing that's really important so that your body reads the messages that it's time to sleep. Um, it's, as I say, it's, very, it's a very passive. So you don't, not having to sort of control and try and shape where your brain is going or concentrate on the moment. There's, there's nothing to do. There's, it's just let the voice flow in and out of, of conscious hearing. So even if you lose trace of the voice, that's okay. If you fall asleep, that's okay. Well, and what about hypnosis? It that's it's more similar to, to that than it is to mindfulness actually. And um, some people say that the best hypnotists actually are using nidra. But I think what's different with nidra and hypnotism is that it's um there's no sort of there's no goal to it. There's no aim. There's no trying to change anything. It's pure relaxation, but it does take you into that same space of openness. Um, and authenticity where if you wanted to, you would be able to give suggestions, um, which we call in Nidra intentions. So you can create an intention for your practice so that when you're in a restful state, that intention kind of um, absorbs into your, into your being. Are there recognized schools or certifications for this practice? So the, the, there's a really big school of uh, Nidra in the US. It's actually called iRest for the same reason as you sort of mentioned earlier that some people put off the word Nidra. Um, and it's being used in the US Army, actually, to treat people with um, post-traumatic stress disorder very effectively. Um, so yes, it's becoming more and more sort of mainstream, um, slowly, but surely, but not yet in Europe, not in UK. It's the fastest growing segment of yoga. So it's becoming quite well known now. Um, and there are some, some schools, different, there's different schools in, um, in, in Nidra. Uh, there's one that I'm part of, which is the, uh, Total Yoga Nidra Network, which is open to all schools, which is nice. And when you learn with them, you learn all about the different techniques and you can choose your own one. It can, because it can go from something very practical, which is the eye rest approach, um, which tends to avoid anything too spiritual <laughs> and, uh, and focuses just on the pure relaxation. Um, and the sleep element and then there's it can go into something which is much more sort of influenced by yoga and more sort of philosophical um, some people practice with music and some people don't like music so yeah there's, there's a there's a wide range here in Brussels there are a few teachers who teach uh, Nidra uh, in yoga centers so yes Shanti Home I think you can find a class there okay I will check so I follow your training at work but can I practice it alone at home Yeah, exactly. So your business ends. Yeah, so we do um, we do a lot of sleep coaching in different ways. So once people um, take our workshop, they can do the nidra at home. But often people obviously want to come back and find out more. Um, if they have wider sleep problems, they may come to us as well. So I am a personal sleep coach. So I uh, coach individuals. Um, part of what I do is nidra with them. But it's a whole wheel of wellness around um, sleep hygiene. 
So that's personalized coaching. And then with the companies, um, yeah, we're looking to do much more extended programs. And we're talking to a few companies now about um, designing a bespoke program. I think for me, I'm a real analyst, um, despite all my sort of creativity, but I like to know that there's impact and I like to be able to measure. And that's really important for me. So I, whatever I do with a company will be about measuring the current status and I think we can draw a lot of insight tracking sleep as well. So I'm talking to a fantastic research agency in the UK who published a fantastic paper. I think it's the best paper on the impact of sleep deprivation. They estimated it at 2% of GDP, which is absolutely huge. Um, it's about the same as sort of the education budget, um, certainly in the US. So it's 411 billion in the US. Um, and uh, they measured it. It's about, it's about equal across all developed countries. They measured in Germany and the UK, uh, Japan and the US. We are in Belgium with all our languages. You speak very well French and English, but do you speak Dutch? So we don't have a Dutch uh, associate yet. Sadly, uh, we have English and French. If you have listeners interested in the Dutch coaching part, he or she can contact you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Okay. That's a nice message. If there are supplementary questions, is there a website we can visit? Yes, please. It's um, our website is www.sleepability.be. That's a good choice of name. <laughs> good. <laughs> Hopefully it works in most languages. Um, so yes, please, you can find us there. Are you also on Facebook? Yep. Uh, forward slash facebook.com forward slash sleepability. Now we have three HR questions for you. What is your definition about HR? Um, I think that the, the role of HR is, I mean, it's huge. It's really to support all of the people function in a company, which is really everything. It's becoming more and more important. And I think what they, um, what they should do is to, to provide the tools, provide tools so that people can function in their jobs. And I think, you know, people who are, who are focused on their performance, their team performance, they really need that support. Uh, they need practical advice. Uh, they need tools to help them thrive and to help uh, their teams thrive. So, yeah. Have you already experienced the wow effect? Oh, it's difficult. I mean, I think there's a certain wow. Every company I've worked in has been so unique and I've loved something about every single one. I think back a lot to Elephant Family when I worked in the charity because it was such, it was such a, a creative environment. Um, It was uh, mostly women, I have to say. Um, interesting, uh, yeah, really high achieving, very ambitious, intelligent, creative women. It, that was quite an exciting place to be. Nice. So woman and creativity, two keywords. Last question. If you have one message for the HR people out there, what would it be? I would say not to forget that each employee is a whole person. I think for me, that's really important. Thank you, Dot, for being here today with us. Thank you. For all the listeners out there, if you too want to come and speak at my mic, just have a look at our website, hrmeetup.org. Under events, you can register. Bye-bye.